Welcome to the 67th ACC Now podcast. I'm News and Observer sports columnist Luke DeCock and our uh, very special guest today. I don't know how many podcasts he's done. Um, we'll ask him. That'll be the first question for ACC Commissioner Jim Phillips, who uh, has been in the job for, I guess, a couple of years now. And, and so, how many, Jim, how many podcasts have you done? The very first one, Luke. This is exciting. <laughs> No, it may be exciting to you. We wanted the listeners to be excited about it. So we'll see how these next 20 or 25 minutes go. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, well, we appreciate you taking the time. And, and uh, you know, uh, because you are still in the scheme of things, although I guess you're 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 one of the more tenured power five commissioners now, given the turnover in the job elsewhere. But, uh, you know, just for people who maybe don't know you or weren't paying attention when you were hired. Uh, I mean, I know we're both Chicagoans. Uh, we both lived in Evanston at various times in our lives. Uh, but uh, other than that, uh, what what would you want people to know about yourself? Well, um, as you mentioned, come from the Chicago area and have um, been the fortune to be one of 10 children in, um, you know, just a wonderful household growing up, um, have now been in this role for two years. Um, have a beautiful wife, Laura, and five children of our own. Two of them are current student athletes and, um, you know, have just really enjoyed my two years in the ACC and all that it has meant. And I know we're going to get a chance to, to talk about it, but um, again, just honored to be on with you and, and um, look forward to maybe giving the listeners a, a little bit of an idea of what's happening on within the ACC. And I know at least one of your kids is in the ACC, right? At Notre Dame? He is. Luke okay. is a runner and, at Notre Dame. And the other and, one? Um, Meredith is uh, a uh, soccer, women's soccer student athlete at Yale. So okay. it's been it's been fun to just follow them. And when you think about uh, understanding what maybe the modern day student athletes going through, I just need to show up at the dinner table and um, I get a a whole lecture on on uh, the good, bad, and indifferent of what it is to be a student athlete in today's world. So in, in this time, like, so what of, of your, your first and second impressions of the ACC uh, ha- have surprised you? What's, what's caught, what, I don't know if caught you off guard is the right word, but what has gone differently or been different than you expected when you were interviewing for and when you took the job? Well, I, I would just say people talked about a few things um, that it was a league that was committed to excellence in the classroom and athletically, and that competed at the highest level. Um, that has been more than true. I think what surprised me is um, as much as I heard about the fashion of fan, ba- fan, fan base, it's even greater than I thought. It, it really is. And that's been an awful lot of fun, Luke. And you've covered the ACC for a pretty extensive period of time. I think you understand when you go to any one of these 15 different campuses, um, they are really committed to their, you know, program or their institution or their team. But then there's a lot of pride uh, across these institutions when you start to play other conferences and you play other teams. So that to me has really stood out. I, I think the other piece of it is, the collaboration and the the um, 
the willingness to really at times put your institutional hat aside. And I'm talking about athletic directors and presidents uh, slash CEOs and really try to make good decisions for the league. When you're the commissioner of a league like the ACC, you're really always trying to drive collaboration and trying to drive a consensus in whatever direction you're going. But that has been, I think here way before, you know, my showing up two years ago, as you mentioned. Um, so, so that's been, that's been fun. And it's also, I think been productive for us as a league. You've, I, I believe went to is 28 football games. Correct. Is that the correct number? 26, 26 football games. Uh, this this fall, but and and before that, I mean, not to uh, to minimize this part of it, you did go on a listening tour to, to all the institutions and and talk to athletes. I was there for the one at, at NC State, so I kind of saw it in action. Um, but but both then and 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 in these football travels, where you're you, you're a, a frequent flyer on Saturdays and Thursdays and occasionally Fridays, um, what did you what sense did you get from this football season? And this is a big topic, the the change and the impetus to kind of push ACC football forward um, and become, I think we can say this, given the state of the CFP right now, you know, more nationally relevant, for lack of a better word. What what did you see? What have you learned and what needs to be done? So um, I'm going to answer that question because I think it's a really good question. And um, ACC football, what we're trying to do to, to elevate that, I, I do want to just maybe just take a step. Um, in another direction. And that is uh, we, we've had tremendous success and, and I'm pleased where, you know, the season went though. We don't have somebody in the CFP and, and I think we're going to have a great bowl season. But before that, we also had one of the most, um, you know, just horrific and heartbreaking sure. Sure. Um, gut wrenching moments uh, that I've ever witnessed in any of my years, 25 years in college athletics. And that is um, the loss of life of Devin Chandler, Lavelle Davis Jr. and Deshaun Perry, three incredible young men um, that were Virginia football student athletes. Um, it's been a really difficult moment um, and a, a difficult you know, month, six weeks for their families in particular, the Virginia family and our ACC family and our hearts and thoughts and minds um, continue to be with them. And, and one thing I would just say, Luke, is that uh, I love those young men. The conference does. I know obviously everybody at Virginia and we'll never forget Deshaun, Devin and Lavelle. We, we just won't. And I don't, ever want the conference to forget what occurred and and we have to try to do everything we can to to care for those families and continue to support them every way we can as well as those student athletes on the Virginia team the coaches the administrators it was just I know listeners paying attention to you know news inside of sport and outside this transcended all of that and sure. um um again hearts are heavy this holiday season but um I appreciate you letting me, you know, start with that. Um, let me transition to your question. Uh, though we don't have a team in the CFP, I think we had a better year this year than last year. And, and it started in the non-conference play. I think we had some really good non-conference wins at throughout the season. We had nine of our 14 football playing institutions uh, reside in the top 25. We have nine teams 
uh, in the conference, going to bowl games, excited that Louisville started out with a really convincing win against um, Cincinnati. Uh, and so we'll, we'll hope to continue on that. How that kind of relates to the national scale, uh, scope is that uh, you'll see an expanded college football playoff, which again, Luke, you covered it well. The ACC has always been for that uh, expanded playoff, but we did not want to support any type of expansion and increase in games until uh, we had a chance to look at the health and safety of playing 15, 16, 17 games potentially, um, as well as a 365 day calendar that really digested this increase in games and made made adjustments to the calendar when the practice and playing season started, what we would do in the off season, when would the recruiting cycle go? And I'm really pleased we made tremendous progress there. And it's been done through the work of 10 of the conferences an FBS as well as Notre Dame. And this wasn't just hey, this is an ACC initiative and they're the only ones. This was about rallying those of us that play in FBS football and trying to do the right thing and the necessary thing for us to have an expanded playoff. So it will go to 12 in the years, 26 and beyond. So we still have a couple more years of, of, um, in, you know, the, the current four team system. And I, I've been, you know, overall, the, the numbers are the numbers when you, when you think about the CFP and you think about the success that the ACC has had, though we haven't had a team in the last two years, the SEC has led the country. Um, they've had 11 total appearances, including this year, uh, over nine years, we've had eight total appearances um, over that, that that same period of time. We're second out of the Power Five, and I'm proud of that. And, and you know, that's even with not having somebody the last two years. So uh, that continues to be the goal, which also triggered this idea of going away from uh, divisional play and having uh, divisions within the conference, Luke. And, you know, I've talked about this in the past. It just made sense in order to get your two best teams in Charlotte for us for the ACC championship. Uh, let's make sure that we don't somehow exclude one of those two best because they end up being in the, you know, in the division of, of the, you know, the, the top team. So feel really good about that. And we did that even prior to the expansion. That was just something that I thought and, and uh, talked with the membership on and, and got resolved. So again, overall, I feel like we're a healthy uh, in a healthy state, certainly chasing uh, greater success, but pleased with the momentum that we're have that we're having and the place that we kind of find ourselves in the last few years. Yeah. And, and, and obviously that's, you know, the, the going away from divisions, uh, you know, my opinion long overdue, but that's the kind of thing a new commissioner can come in and say, Hey, you know, let's take a, a fresh look at this and, and does it make sense? And in this case, it, it didn't, um, you brought up college football playoff expansion, obviously that's happening now. Um, in your mind, what what does that mean for the ACC? Because we've talked a lot about, uh, you know, ways for the ACC to generate new revenue. Um, obviously, more teams in the playoff means more chances for the ACC to win playoff games. Uh, what in your mind does expansion now that it's being done in a way that that fits uh, the way you wanted to do it? What does that what does that mean for the ACC going forward for football and then and then for the league at large? 
Well, I think for us and others, and I'll talk specifically about the ACC, that, that, that means greater access. When you think about the championship prior, three, four teams out of 131, it equates to about 3% have access to the championship. There's no other sport in college athletics where there's that few of opportunities. And every student athlete that I've talked to, they all want to chase a national championship. So to go from three to 12, we get to about 9%. Um, that allows greater access for the ACC. And, and so just getting in a team into the championship when it's at 12, that, that's not going to be the standard, Luke. It just isn't. To date, that has been somewhat. Um, and that's okay when there's only four spots you want to get in there, and we're not in there this year. But moving forward, what, what it means for the ACC is uh, the expectation that we're going to work together to get multiple teams into the championship when you have that increase opportunities of, of, of adding eight new spots. So then it comes back to the continual, again, uh, elevation, support, uh, decision-making surrounding the conference that's tied to football. And we've done that. We've done that at the national level. When you talk about legislation and rules and those types of things, we've done it at the conference level. When you've talked about, when you talk about our network, the ACC network and how we're programming, how we're talking to our campuses about scheduling, uh, you know, some of the unique games that allow you to be played during the year. So we have to continue to do that. We have to continue in our, you know, to, to invest in our uh, campus campuses and, and uh, they need to continue to invest in their facilities and staff and the things that they believe are necessary in order to, again, enhance ACC football and enhance the individual school schools uh, success. Um, and I'm pleased with it. I'm pleased what, what we've talked about and what we've been able to do in a two year period. Um, it's gone by fast, but we still have more work to do. Uh, but what pleases me is there, there is a unanimity about understanding across those 14 schools that they do have to invest. And we do need to spend time strategizing, thinking, marketing, branding, selling ACC football. So we'll continue to make that a priority as we move into the future. I want, I want to ask you one last football question. Then we got a lot of other sports and things to to, to cover here in the time we have left. Um, but one element of that, you know, this was a year where the ACC, uh, for whatever reason, ended up playing a lot of road games at, at group of five opponents, whether it was Virginia Tech at Old Dominion or UNC at App State and Georgia State. So, you know, with the, the, there's a, there was a list there. But, you know, in talking with athletic directors and talking with people at schools, you know, NC State, um, has has moved out of it. Uh, what was going to potentially be a road game at South Florida and pushed that back. Um, uh, NC State also signed a you know a two for one deal with App State. That there's questions about that now. How important in your mind? And and these schools are obviously you know acting uh, to 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 try to adhere to some of the ACC's guidance and directives on this. How important in your mind is it? to 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 get away from those games um, in, in sort of the, the broader picture of of football and, and the changes you want to make. Well, those end up being individual campus decisions. But to your point, we have pushed hard about making sure that when we have opportunities to play really good programs and teams in the non-conference, we need to do that. We just do. Um, and when you look at some of our better teams over the course of the last three or four years that that's in, in, you know, in particular a school like Clemson, that's what they've done. And you have to do that. It doesn't mean all 12 of your games have to be at that level, but, but when you have an opportunity to schedule several 
um, home games or home and homes. They, they need to be against the very best competition you can. But I also understand having been on a campus, I understand transitions. And when you have a new coach come in um, and they're just trying to rebuild a program or restart a program, they're not going to necessarily be ready, but it shouldn't take, you know, at the end of the day, five or six years in order to kind of transition that scheduling philosophy you had when you first hired a coach. And and I really do believe it's been received well by, by the schools and by our athletic directors who work hand in hand with our football coaches when they do the schedule and our presidents don't get very much involved, but we do talk about it at that level. Ultimately, that's part of the day-to-day responsibilities of, of our administrators, athletic directors, and whoever the administrator is for the sport of football on a campus, as well as the head coaches working together to, again, uh, create better matchups and, and matchups that people around the country, their fans and others would like to see and, uh, and certainly television would like to see. Sure. Um, let's talk some hoops. Uh, obviously, Last year's ACC season, men's season famously did not get off to a good start and got off to an equally famous uh, uh, ending in terms of of, of how uh, impossibly <laughs> impossibly good it ended. One game short of a title, but but with obviously with all the teams in the Elite Eight and two teams in the Final Four. Uh, I you know from my perspective, there are people saying, "Oh, it's happening all over again," especially when you look at Louisville and Florida State. But when I look at your good, your really good teams, the, the Dukes, North Carolinas, Virginia this year, uh, Virginia Tech. I, I don't see a lot of like losses that are going to hurt their NCAA tournament uh, uh, credentials. I mean, Virginia, there's no shame in losing to Houston. That's one of the best teams I've seen in a couple of years. Um, and obviously Duke's losses are to two really good teams. What's your sort of take on uh the the way basketball season has started um especially given what the narrative was last year i mean we all knew that was kind of going to come up again regardless of what happened you know how you described it i think it's accurate about last year and and this year i um we've had a couple you know tough situations um you know louisville in particular um florida state didn't get off to a great start and that's a you know both those programs have traditionally been you know so strong for us i i would say we're kind of in thirds a little bit we got that top third that middle third and and maybe maybe the bottom third or maybe it's a few teams there and maybe that middle group is you know the biggest one maybe there are six or seven teams there uh, that that kind of has a chance to even itself out throughout the course of the year, as you described. We we did not start out nearly as well as we wanted to. We just didn't. We just didn't play as well as we wanted, and that's the narrative that people start to paint your conference in. You know whether you like that or not. That just ends up being, you know, early looks and early games end up kind of casting the die, so to speak. Uh, but I am. I, I do believe we will continue to get better as the season goes on. And I think that's just part of where we are in college sports and college basketball in this particular question, in the sense that it takes teams a while to get themselves together. Now that's across the board, but I like our coaches an awful lot. And I think we have as good of a stable of coaches as anywhere in the country. And they, 
they get better as the season goes on. So um, I think we're having a better year to date than we did last year at this time, just like we did in football. So we're trending in the right direction. And I agree with you when, when you know, some of the programs that, that you've talked about, um, you know, Miami's better than people think. Virginia Tech is better than people think. People thought, you know, Duke and Carolina were going to, you know, be the top two teams. Well, Virginia ends up being to date, again, the very best team in our conference to date. Duke has had a really good start. Uh, Carolina is going to be fine. They, they just are. They had a really good win against Ohio State uh, over the weekend. And, and so they're going to be they're going to be fine. And then, you know, you've got the Notre Dames and the Syracuses and there's a bunch of others in there that I feel will absolutely chase not only an ACC championship, but they'll have a chance to get themselves positioned to get an NCAA bid. bid. And then, as you know, you kind of wipe the slate clean when you come to March, whether it's the ACC tournament or the NCAA tournament. We had, you know, a, a really good early on um, success with the ACC Big Ten Men's Basketball Challenge. We had a chance to play that for the last year and uh, won that on both the men's and women's side. And I think we finished 13 and eight or so, 13 and eight. And we had a couple ties over the course of those 24 years. I think it was 13, eight and three. Um, and then on the women's side, you know, four teams in the top 10 in the AP poll as we sit now and, and just an unbelievable game yesterday in Blacksburg between two to me top five teams Notre Dame and Virginia Tech so basketball's healthy it's going well uh, and looking forward to again both on the men's side and then the women's side continuing to get better and continuing to chase uh, the championship in conference play as well as the national championship trophy. I want to come back to the women in a second, but two very sure. quick questions about the men before we move on. Number one, is there a number in your mind of NCAA tournament bids that the ACC needs to have for it? You know, a, a baseline number that should be considered the minimum. I mean, is is it six? Is it seven? I mean, is, do you have a number in your head when you kind of assess a season? I don't. I, 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 I really don't. Like, I didn't look at this year and how many. I mean, of course, you'd like to have all of them. That's not necessarily realistic. So then you go to what has the ACC done traditionally? And it's been seven, eight, nine years. And I was on the men's basketball selection committee and the women's basketball selection committee. So I've I've followed the ACC closely and I was the observer of the ACC, um, uh, you know, for a few of those years. So you always expect it to be to be good. So when you say, you know, when we talk about a five last year, that was it. Listen, everybody in the conference was disappointed. That, that just wasn't nobody was more disappointed than the programs were. So, you know, you, 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 you build off of what you've done recently, which is where we were last year. So the goal absolutely is to increase it. So every year you want to be trending in the right direction. So uh, I think we have a shot to have seven or eight this year. I know, I know we probably have some work to do, but again, we haven't played a majority of games just yet. And, and I think again, teams get better as they move on. We're going to get some new additions, some new, um, you know, a couple new additions as far as rosters in our conference. And so I think that'll help a few teams and we'll see what happens um, as we you know finish up December and we head into January. And in, in March, we'll be in Greensboro next year, Washington for the ACC tournament. Where do we stand on uh, 2024 and beyond? And is there a timetable to start making some of those decisions? Yeah, we're, we're excited about being in Greensboro. Coming up this this winter, we'll start with the women's tournament in Greensboro, then the men's uh, ACC tournament in Greensboro, and then we'll host the first and round, first and second rounds of the men's 
uh, NCAA tournament. So we'll have basically three straight weeks in Greensboro, which will be great. And then, as you mentioned, we'll um, we'll head to um, Washington, D.C. for that tournament. And then we're still kind of figuring that piece out of it and we're getting closer to a decision. So I would think before the basketball season's over, we'll have an announcement, but but we're hopeful to have more than just one year, Luke, if we could have multiple years to get it on the schedule for people to prepare. And so, um, Paul Brazo and Mary McElroy are both working diligently, you know, to, to, um, to get the bids, which we've gotten in and to look at proposals and then just see what makes the most sense. And we want to, we want to take it to places that, uh, you know, embrace the ACC tournament. Uh, Greensboro has done an amazing job. Amazing. Um, our trips to Brooklyn and DC and Charlotte and other places, those have been good. And so we'll, we'll continue to sprinkle those around, but we'll, we'll certainly continue to have championships in, in Greensboro as well. So it's exciting. I love that we have more than one option and, and I know the fan bases do and the schools do because there's alums all over uh, our footprint that love ACC basketball, both on the men's and women's sides. And, you know, you, you don't need to hear my pitch that, we should play the uh, Tuesday games of the 75th ACC tournament in Reynolds Coliseum. But I want that on the record on this podcast that it, that I've, men- that I've mentioned <laughs> I know, it again. You, you, I know you, you, you now have it forever on the record. You were, you were the first person to say something to me about that. Um, and we will have, you know, we'll see where we go with this thing, but um, we'll, we'll, we, what you have said has been talked about as the, you know, the Luke, the cock, kind of um suggestion for the 75th anniversary it's been effectually called within the the waybridge lane offices for us so i just want you to know that i appreciate that i don't want credit i just want to be i want someone to pump smoke in there so it's like 1959 all over again (laughs) uh women's basketball obviously and and we'll, we'll we'll move through a couple of things quickly here but uh Obviously, the the league had issues with what happened to NC State last year, playing a road game at UConn as a number one seed. Um, There may be issues in Greenville this year, which we've been there for men's basketball. It's not a great facility. The women may say it's a gender equity issue. Uh, I'll I'll know and the men's coaches will know it's just as bad for the men. But the women are going to look at Greenville compared to the other two regionals in Seattle and wonder why one of the buildings is so bad. Um, although Greenville is a great town, um, nothing against the people of Greenville or the city. It's just that not a building that's as good as some other buildings in this country. And then obviously the, the issues post 2021 and the the, the San Antonio stuff um, you mentioned earlier, the ACC is as good at women's basketball as any conference in the country. Uh, where do you feel like we stand on, on equity progress since 2021? I think we're making progress. I really do. And it was very disappointing to see what happened a couple of years ago with the weight room. And, and that triggered uh, really, a, I think, a look under the hood, if you will, for the NCAA and how they were running the championships. I'm pleased with some of the progress. We have to continue to do that. I will be interested now, as you described, having two sites, Greenville and Seattle. Uh, we've not had that before. We've had four sites. And so what will that look like? What will the experience be for the student athletes? Um, and, you know, we have to we have to be honest about it and not just take it to certain places that we know where the fan bases are uh, at or, or where there's lots of history and tradition. But what does it do for the experience of our student athletes? Some that will play maybe one game in those sites and others that will play, you know, more than one Um and but I do believe that, that, you know, there is this idea of the group is well intended. 
um, and that they are committed to making sure there is equity for the men's tournament and the women's tournament. And just look at the ratings for the women's tournament and you see the annual increase year after year after year. It's not becoming less popular. It's becoming more popular. And those young women deserve an opportunity. I mean, I said at the very beginning, I was you know one of 10 children. I have six older sisters. They've, they've, they never had the same opportunities that my two girls have um, and have had. And, and, and that's, you know, that's, just part of the evolution of, of sport and, and title nine mattered when it was put into effect in 1972, but we still have to make some progress in the areas you described leading up, you know, to my answer. And, and I think we are addressing some of those things. So I'm again, optimistic that, um, the women will have a really good tournament and it'll be, you know, highly successful experience for our student athletes. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. in the, the big picture sense that, you know, the NCAA women's basketball tournament, softball tournament, volleyball tournament aren't all marketed and sold for television separately, given the audiences that those events get year after year and continue to to grow. Um, it's you know, I know you're deeply involved in the transformation committee, and that's not necessarily uh, part of your brief, but certainly uh, the, the new president of the NCAA. And we're not going to have a chance to talk about him much, unfortunately, but uh, something that I think you and I would both agree needs to be looked at because the growth potential in those sports, both from a viewership and fandom and television rating perspective is, is, uh, is unlimited at this point. Um, I, on I, that just, note, I just, I just, I would, yeah, yeah. I just tell you real quick, um, had an un- unbelievable trip to Omaha for volleyball. We yeah. had two teams there and so embraced by the people in Omaha, but all over the country. I mean, I flew with people from all over the country, from Charlotte to Omaha, um, Pitt and Louisville, uh, two teams from the ACC were on one bracket, one side, and then Texas and San Diego were on the other side. That was as electric of an atmosphere as you'd want for an NCAA tournament. Um, and the volleyball, the quality was ridiculously good. And and so to your point, we have to continue to pay attention to those sports on the women's side. And um, and I know that we are, and we got to continue to invest in it and build it, and make it better. But um, again, kudos to the progress we're making, but more to do. Yeah. So, all right. So this is perfect because I wanted to ask you before we go here, you mentioned volleyball, but you had national titles in field hockey, uh, men's soccer, women's cross country, had teams play for titles in women's soccer and volleyball. You know, we talk a lot about football and men's basketball and, and, and maybe to a lesser extent, women's basketball and baseball. But as as the fall season went, um, that was pretty close to ideal, I would imagine, from your perspective as a commissioner, when you look at that that portfolio of sports that ended up either playing for national title or, or won, you know, the three national titles. No question. I mean, you said it well that to, to, to watch in person, those championships and to have three champions in NC state, North Carolina and Syracuse, and then have two others play for the championship. I mean, goes without saying no other conference, um, you know, came close to that. It's part of what we've been and, and, and this idea of broad-based programming, Luke, you and I have discussed this before. It's a, a point of differentiation when you consider um, all the conferences in the country and, and, you know, this investment in 28 sports, this investment in broad-based programming, 10,000 student athletes. It's all part of, I think, you know, what makes the ACC what it is uh, today. And that is, 
you know, the premier conference in the country from, uh, you know, from a equity standpoint, number of sports opportunities and the number of championships that coincide with it. So I'm proud of our coaches and student athletes and administrators for, um, for all that they've done. And we'll look forward to hopefully having as successful of a, of a uh, winter and, and spring seasons coming up. Well, I, I appreciate your time, Jim. I, there's so many more things from NCA reform to NIL to antitrust to um, student athlete mental health, uh, the ACC network. Yeah, there were so many other things to talk about, uh, but we are we are out of time. I appreciate the time that you have taken. Um, any any anything we haven't talked about that you want to mention before I let you go here? No, listen, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy New Year to all the listeners. And uh, just really appreciate you having me on, Luke. No, we, uh, we appreciate your time. And uh, if this really was your first podcast, we are we are honored that the to, to have you on ACC now for the uh, for that. And uh, again, appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thanks, Luke.